The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's broadcast of Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. For the past uh, several months, we have been uh, guiding different groups of people that uh, ha are starting to form groups based upon the book. They fired the first shot 2012, and uh, for those of you that have read the book, you're familiar uh, with what we're speaking about. Uh, but in particular, there was a group uh, that uh, is starting to form uh, in South Louisiana, and we were doing some um, uh, answering some questions that they had requested. And in the process of speaking with them, some topics came up that uh, a friend of Medjugorje has uh, foresaw that these things were going to happen and that certain things were going to come up. So we're going to try to address a few of those things right now at the beginning of the show. Uh, first of all, this group is forming. Uh, the purpose of the group, of course, is the outline is laid out and they fired the first shot. And uh, some things had come up in the organization of a, of a simple meeting that they were going to have. And the purpose of the meeting was to get people together to give them some guidelines on forming these groups, of pe these, uh, these smaller groups. In the process of that, several things had come up. One thing in particular, um, 
is that people had started to come with uh, and wanted to promote their own devotions. That was the first thing. Uh, that uh, they fired the first shot is very specific about the way certain things are to be laid out. And uh, so this was the first issue that came up, that people were coming with their own private devotions that they wanted to make part of the group. The second thing that came up is that there were groups of people um, that were tied to different elements in their church uh, that were trying to take over the group and make it a church event uh, where they would do the prayer group in the church. They would lead the group as opposed to the person who was inspired to begin this. And so these were just a few things that were coming up, and they were asking for some guidance as far as different things that they should do, things that they should implement. Uh, they were even asking as far as the format of prayer. Uh, they were asking for a lot of just a lot of different guidance to know how to begin this in the correct way. So that was kind of like how we were going to try to begin the show, was to try to give a little bit of this guidance. And a friend of Medjugorje is going to address a few of these issues. Well, the first question to that, what does this have to do with Medjugorje? Really everything, because they fired the first shot, is about that. We have power and dominion that have been given over to uh, us over under. We have it over us. We do not have dominion of the earth any longer, or our lands, our families. We don't have the power to stand up against the powers that we face. And the reason for that, of course, is immorality. And as, as we have moved from immorality, we have lost the grace to be adored, adorned as the flowers of the field that even Solomon couldn't match in his wealth and glory. Because we've rejected the commandments, we don't accept them. We all might say, yeah, we, we believe in the commandments, but do we accept them? Not that whether you fail them or not, you fail them, you go to confession. And so that's the first thing that has to be understood, that mesonomics encompasses the reasons we're in, in economic problems. We haven't made the right decisions because everything is tied to materialism, to consumerism, our Lady required every Thursday, Matthew 6, to be read. That's one requirement of Scripture. It's one of the few things she's required to be done, and they don't do it in the village. And they suffer from this consumerism and materialism. In many ways, the worst way, because they're immature in how to deal with it. It took them over. The girls, the fashions, the things that came in and moved in, into Croatia is, is uh, shocking, really. So Our Lady knew what she was talking about. But do we accept that she knows what she's talking about? Oh, we know better. And so one of the things is, this is uh, devotions. These devotions to um, different things that you might have. In fact, Joan, um, when Joan first came to, to Caritas, uh, she started a devotion while she was here. And I clipped her in the wings. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. You want to tell your story? Um. I had a devotion to a saint, St. Philomena, that um, I had Was seen. it St. Philomena or Wilhelmina? I remember. Philomena. Oh, okay, I'm confusing my nun that just, I didn't like. <laughs> I can't not like a, a, a saint, but I have to like a nun. No, no, I, I got to like a saint, but I don't have to like a nun. It was Wilhelmina. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I had seen some parallels to her story, to uh, some things that were going on in Medjugorje, and... Um, that what kind of was what connected me to her, and uh, I had ordered some things, and they had sent a uh, little stamp in the of Saint Philomena, um, 
with this package, and uh, one day we came down to shipping, and all of a sudden, all of our packages had this stamp of St. Philomena going out in the mail, and that's how it sort of uh, came uh, about looking at what is this, um, what's going on with this, and uh, began to explain that um, if every one of us came with a different devotion, uh, it, we would start losing sight of who it is that we are promoting and what we're promoting, and um, which is Medjugorje, which is Our Lady. She is in that that uh, place, and uh, we always have to be diligent not to let anything else usurp um, who and what we're doing here, which is to promote uh, the Virgin Mary and her messages from Medjugorje. And so this to advice to this group and other groups, there's many groups calling constantly right now the um, small prayer groups is starting to form which is part of the the battle plan and, and uh, they fight the first shot along with some other items that, uh, that has to be instituted that being the case you can really get deluded by devotions you don't let people bring that in if they insist on it get rid of them the book is real clear about don't have division if you you got to be a united body and so this is one thing we, we have in our culture today while we're suffering economically because we've, we bought the law of diversity and thinking diversity is the way. No, it's got to be a unified body, not a diverse body. You know, that doesn't mean people don't have different charisms and different ways and different things that contribute to the body. And it, it takes a hand and a leg and everything to be part of the body with the head. Same time, you don't want conflicting things. I had a priest in the beginning days of when I started Caritas and it just took off and I mentioned something in one of my newsletters. He wrote to me, he says, nothing's destroyed more ministries or missions than to have the lack of focus of your devotion. I mean, this was, this was back in 1987. And it really impacted me because I felt that, but I was more free in allowing some of those things to happen. And when he said that, I, I knew how critical it was because we were, were looking at different things. And I met years later, of course, um, probably 2003 or four, uh, somewhere along that date, with Tom Monahan, who built up uh, Domino's Pizza. We met for a couple hours, had discussions about everything, but it came down to what he, and he has this, all, of course, in his book, too. But why was he, what made him successful? And his response is, I delivered pizza. Caritas delivers the message. That's our focus. That's our devotion. Do we say the divine mercy? Yeah, but we don't. That's not our devotion as far as spreading it, propagating it. We do it as part of our spiritual life. But we don't incorporate it into what this is, you know, the divine mercy chapter. That's for up north, uh, in Stockholm, Massachusetts. And so um, that's their charisma. It's not ours. It's not our charisma to be promoting that or anything else. Um, we do the Pieta Prayer Books. We're big on that. We print it. It's one of the most popular things we got, but we don't go all the time about St. Bridget's Prayers. It's part of our spiritual life. The Point of Man God we promote. Why? Because I like said in Medjugorje, they must be read. You must read the Point of Man God. But still, it's not. It's, it's an accompaniment to the spreading of the messages. People could rationalize and say, oh, well, we have this devotion. I'm telling you, anybody comes to your, your groups they find the first shot, want different devotions. Say no if there's resistance. Get rid of them. 
You don't need to be compli- uh, debating things. It's not debatable. Lead it and get away from that. These things actually are harmful, and it'll, it'll leave you off in your trails. Medjugorje is this way. You've got different people there using Medjugorje to promote what it is that they do, whether it's feeding the poor, whether it's doing that. All things not bad in of themselves, but they don't belong in Medjugorje. That might make enemies for us. But the truth is, Medjugorje stands for one thing. The Queen of Peace, her plan to come and save for the salvation of the world. Bring a great plan for the salvation of the world. <clears throat> that understood, then you, you realize you've got to protect the protect these things. And so there's so much involved in in, in our economics and our protection of metronomics, uh, what that means and what that it's really to get into a way of life. What uh what all encompasses that way of life? Uh, I open the Bible actually as the Bible as the show started. And I opened up to, uh, after uh, Azariah and and his two accompaniments were thrown into the fire. But I opened up to the end of his prayer while he's in the flames. And he says this, And now with all our hearts we follow thee, we fear thee, and we seek thy face. That's what Matthew 6 is saying. Seek my face. That's what the, seek my face and I heal your land. Turn away from your wicked ways. They're in the fire. We're in fire right now. With this president and what he plans to do, and he plans to be a dictator. Make no bones about it. They fire the first shot goes into it. You may object to that. You may not believe it. If you're in Europe, you're hearing all the who's news about Obama. <clears throat> They're lying to you. They're lying completely to you. <clears throat> the facts on the on the web um White House website can show that. They find the first shot shows this real clearly. You can't deny it. We didn't give opinions. We gave facts. We gave the words. And so I know you're getting news on the European and other countries, and even in this country, the United States of America, not people are really, they don't see in depth really what's taking place. Obama is setting the stage to take over, to be a, to be a dictator. This is not, this is not hidden for the, for the eyes that looks for it. And so we have the, the, the furnace burning, Azariah, and he recites that prayer. And he goes on and he says, after seek my fa- uh, seek thy face, says, do not put us to shame, but deal with us in thy forbearance. Isn't that wonderful? Because we have tried God. Our lady just gave an incredible message. that says, I want to protect you from the ruin of your sins. We are due. He's saying, forgive us, forbear with us, our annoyances to you, our violations against you. As Zariah says, but deal with us in thy forbearance. So we need to ask God for this. We know we're in trouble. We know we don't deserve your, your, your mercy. But forbear with us, because you are our God, and we're your people, we're your, we're your children. So don't let us suffer the consequences of the ruin of our sins that do us. As the ride goes on. And in thy abundant mercy, deliver us in accordance with thy marvelous works, and give glory to thy name, O Lord. Let all who do harm to thy service be put to shame. We've got people planning to do harm to you. You think that this whole thing about guns, when we got the economic collapse headed our way, 
We've got a budget that's in the trillions of dollars that we can't pay. This is not going to be fixed. And yet gun control, no, they don't call it gun control anymore. They change it to gun violence. This is part of verbicide. This is part of what's in, in the chapter called verbicide, and they fire the first shot. You read that, you understand exactly what's going on. If you don't read it, you won't really, really understand what's going on. So verbicide's taking place. Change, change the word's meaning. Do revisionism. And instead of saying gun control, which nobody likes that because it restricts freedom, it's against the Second Amendment, you say gun violence. How can you be against that? So that's what it's all been changed to. This is all going, look, look at everything, what they're calling it, what the president's saying. So it says, let all who do harm to thy servants be put to shame. Let them be disgraced and deprived of all power and dominion. They have power and dominion totally, unequivocally over everything you do, everything you think, because they're revising the Berberside. You're thinking. They're indoctrinating. they got the targets on the schools and the kids. Azariah adds power and dominion and let their strength be broken. That's what all these come for. Let them know that thou art the Lord, the only God, glorious over the whole world. And of course, they made the fire and the furnace go stronger and they walked out free. In Rwanda, which they heard the first shot is also about, we see they went to the fire. Our Lady in Capello, Africa, talked about fire coming out of the ground. And literally it did. I'm not going to go into that subject, but my point is, is these people were left defenseless. In a genocide, seven people a minute were killed over the next hundred days. Over a million people. And we've got a government right now wanting us to be defenseless because this is what they plan. You say, oh, that sounds far-fetched. It's pretty far-fetched for the Rondas. They didn't believe this. It happened in 73, I think 59. They didn't believe it was going to happen. They thought everything would be all right. But it wasn't. And it didn't turn out the way they thought it was. And so we have these same makings. Look before World War II. The same exact things happening today is happening then. The first thing they have to do is collect the guns. They have to get rid of them. And it's not immoral to have one. It's not immoral to use one. The Catechism says so. You have a right to defend yourself. You have an obligation to defend your loved ones. We just came across an article that was sent to us, Pastor Chuck Bowen, who just wrote an article last week, and it was one of the largest reads he ever had. But I think it's appropriate with the economic, and if an economic collapse happens, not if, when, or some kind of catastrophe happens, you got to have some common sense and you got some logic. You want to just make yourself, pray, make yourself available as prey, as piranha, to feed on you, to do harm and not be able to protect yourself. Pastor, the Reverend, Bowen, goes into this subject. He writes, I have been writing this column for over a dozen years and I can safely say... The column I wrote last week entitled, My Line in the Sand is Drawn Here, produced more response than any column I have ever written, maybe more than any two or three columns combined. And what is even more noteworthy, 
Unlike most columns, the responses to this column were at least 90% favorable. In last week's column, I said, Throughout the United States, there are tens of millions of fully armed citizens who are more than capable of defending themselves and their communities against any enemy, whether that enemy is an internal or external one. In fact, many millions of these citizens have been trained in the U.S. Armed Forces. Firearms, especially semi-automatic rifles, in the hands of millions of American citizens is truly the only thing that stands between freedom and tyranny for the people of the United States. That Barack Obama and Dianne Feinstein want to disarm the American people should be considered an act of war against our liberties. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, this is a line in the sand that none of us can afford to ignore. I also wrote, Make no mistake about it. To take away an American's right to a semi-automatic rifle is to fully disarm him. There is no Second Amendment. There is no right to keep and bear arms. There is no citizen militia. There is no liberty without the semi-automatic rifle. I concluded the column saying, Ladies and gentlemen, whatever the consequences might be, and whatever anyone else does or doesn't do, I am prepared to become an outlaw over this issue. I don't know how to say it any plainer. I will not register my firearms, and I will not surrender my firearms. Period. End of story. It's not just a saying with me. When my guns are outlawed, I will be an outlaw. My line in the sand is drawn here. Among those who wrote to tell me that they had also drawn their personal line in the sand on this issue and that they would also absolutely refuse to register or surrender their firearms were people from virtually all walks of life, attorneys, realtors, bankers, teachers, physicians, civil servants, salesmen, truck drivers, tradesmen, pastors, law enforcement officers, including federal police officers, and military personnel, even special forces troops. Accordingly, I am absolutely convinced that these people are a microcosm of gun owners nationwide. I am also convinced that should Senator Dianne Feinstein's bill banning semi-automatic rifles become law, that there are literally tens of millions of Americans who simply will not comply. Furthermore, former presidential candidate Pat Buchanan recently told John McLaughlin that should the federal government attempt to confiscate the guns of the American people, there would be a revolution in this country. What most people fail to realize, because they are not taught it, is that the match that ignited America's war for independence was not excessive taxes or the lack of representation or trade restrictions or the lack of trial by jury, as important as these issues were, the match that ignited America's war for independence was attempted gun confiscation. On April 19, 1775, British troops, some 800 strong, were dispatched to Concord, Massachusetts, to arrest Sam Adams and John Hancock, and to seize a cache of weapons known to be stored at Concord. When Dr. Joseph Warren sent Paul Revere to warn Pastor Jonas Clark, in whose home Adams and Hancock were staying, that the Crown's troops were on their way to arrest the two men and seize the guns at Concord, 
he alerted his male congregants. About 60 to 70 men from the Church of Lexington stood armed on Lexington Green, awaiting the Redcoats. Upon spotting the citizen militia, the British officer demanded the men throw down their arms. They refused, and the British troops immediately opened fire. Eight of the Minutemen were instantly killed. The colonists returned fire in defense, in self-defense, and the shot was fired that was heard round the world. By the time the troops arrived at the Concord Bridge, just a few miles away, hundreds of colonists were waiting for them with muskets in hand, and the rest, as they say, is history. Make no mistake about it, attempted gun confiscation ignited America's war for independence, and I am convinced that Pat Buchanan is absolutely right. If the federal government attempts to confiscate the guns of the American people, there will be a revolution in this country. One more observation regarding the Battle of Lexington, which opened America's war for independence. Not only was attempted gun confiscation the match that ignited the war, it was the pastor of the Church of Lexington and members of his congregation who were the Minutemen of Lexington Green. That is another fact most historians conveniently leave out of the story. If there is one element missing from today's liberty fight, it is the lack of participation from America's pastors. By and large, they are MIA. How many pastors today are warning their congregations of the threat against their Second Amendment liberties? Every pastor in America, regardless of denomination, should have already started proclaiming the spirit of resistance. Thomas Jefferson to their church congregations. They should already be extolling the biblical mandate to resist tyranny. They should already be warning their congregations of Barack Obama and Dianne Feinstein's plan to disarm them. Let me ask my church-going leader, readers, has your pastor said one word from the pulpit regarding the impending gun ban now being drafted? Has your pastor explained the biblical principles of lawful resistance? Has your pastor exhorted his church congregation to not surrender their firearms and to do everything in their power to demand that your senators and legislators hold the line for Second Amendment? And my next question is, if your pastor has not done any of this, why are you still attending that church? Ladies and gentlemen, there would have been no United States of America had it not been for for Reverend Jonas Clark and the other Patriot pastors of 1775 and 1776. There would have been no Lexington Green and Concord Bridge. There would have been no Bunker Hill. There would have been no Declaration of Independence. There would have been no British surrender at Yorktown. And I would dare say that if a significant percentage of pastors would stand up this Sunday and encourage their people to stand firm against this gun ban bill, the bill would never see the light of day. Make no bones about it. War's glorious moment is when it starts. That's when people have the most enthusiasm as far as against tyranny or tyranny against those they oppress. From there, it gets real ugly. There's no more glory. That's why a lot of veterans don't want to talk about the battles and things that what they saw. So you don't want war. Our lady asks us to pray for peace. But she also tells us Jesus is the light of common sense. The message she says that, and I've said it before, is, is the word 
is the light of salvation and common sense. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the light of common sense. That said, how do you have and how do you maintain peace? Well, in Rwanda, they were defenseless. The 200 attacked them 10,000 at one point. But they didn't understand the power they could have had and what they could have done. And of course, they had no weapons, but even bodily, they could have defended themselves. We don't need to lose our common sense and think that we're not dominated at this point. Where have we, where have we won on abortion? Tell me, where have we really won on, on uh, marriage? Of course, we are the first person that's guilty. Because divorce, rampant in, among Christians, gives way to the devil to take and redefine marriage. We gave him, the, we gave him that on, on a golden platter. So we have to repent, and that's why, as Zara says, but deal with us in thy forbearance. Don't deal with us in justice. And he, and he emphasized that. And in thy abundant mercy. We need to call upon God on an abundant mercy. You think that our lady is saying, I want to protect you from the ruin of sin, isn't about abundant mercy? That's an incredible part of the message. I mean, I, I saw that and I thought, whoa. Because every wrong has a consequence. And I tell you, we've got a heap of abundant wrongs that we need to be dealt with in justice. You can't just keep going there and defying God. But in thy forbearance, our lady is showing us, I want to protect you from this. And so we have this situation where, <clears throat> what does common sense tell you? You need to be able to have the defense of yourself and your family and your neighborhood and your community. Something incredible happened when Hitler decided to go into Austria. And he gave directions and directives, orders actually, that if you, with the paratroopers, I think it was the paratroopers, when Hitler's paratroopers were coming, going to come and invade Austria, that if they had any resistance, to turn back. He wasn't strong enough to do what he needed to do. They wasn't really ready. Had the Austrians just stood up, they could have easily defeated them. But what happened, they just gave over the country and the, the, the Hitler's men just walked in, took over. Are we going to let that happen? And this pastor talking about a line in the sand, this, this is where you have to really stand up and think. You're not going to take our liberty away. God gave it to us. You didn't. It's not yours for the taking. It's only yours for the taking if we don't repent from our sins and turn away from our wicked ways and turn our face toward God. Then you got us. But we're praying Tyranny, we're praying, and we're repenting, and you're doing, and you're in your position because we're at fault. You have dominion and power over us only for that reason, but we're a new people now. We have our mother coming showing us the way, and we ain't going to back down. We're ready, because the mother said, be ready. And I'm not advocating war. I'm not advocating revolution. I'm advocating that Austrians stand up and say, you're not coming in here and doing this to us. And the paper tiger will go away. Have we gone too far? Perhaps. Has this thing gone too strong? Perhaps. But never will we be stronger than right this moment, as Patrick Henry said. This is the moment. You better wake up. You better realize you've got to take some stands now. 
If you don't, you won't be able to stand. You'll be on your knees. Please, pretty please. There's a chapter in there called that. And they fired the first shot. So with this book, all this is covered in the book. It's very clear. That's why it resonates so many, with so many people and everybody who's not even Catholic, not even Christian, are saying, this is it. Over the weekend, some people were telling me, this is a real man's book. Wives who hadn't been able to get their, their husbands involved in religious, who, who are man, really, he's got to go out there and hunt the bear. He's a provider. Even if he doesn't do that today, he does it in his job, going with his computer work or whatever he's doing. That's his hunting because he's supposed to be a provider. We've got mixed roles now. Yes, yeah, it's just all grayed up. But in reality, what nature is, is nature is, period. But a, uh, we've heard from a couple of wives who says, I've never been getting my husband involved. I want to be more religious. And he, I want to read that. For, they wanted him to read. They fired the first shot. And he wanted to do it. He finally picked it up and started reading it. He's telling everybody about it. He's spreading it. He's into it. See, he can take religion if it pertains to his role. He's sick of being sissified sitting in the pew for three hours. He's sick of not being the provider. He's sick of not being more of an aggressor, not in violence, but in peacemaking, having the ability to get, be peaceful by power, by strength, that he can have his religion. And he can accept it in that way. We have a female-driven society. We've been femi we feminized men. The, the women are dressing the little boys up in fashions that some New York weirdos give us. How to dictate the hairdos, their haircuts as women. This ain't so ingrained in us that we can't even step back and see well, where does all this come from. Look who the buyers are for the book industry. What kind of lifestyle they live. Look who the buyers are for the clothing industry and what kind of lifestyle they live. See, they don't have to take over everything. They just need to get a few positions, a couple hundred applications, and then they got these people who have perverted ideas of life. And everything you see here in reading where comes through them. We've fallen to be feminized. We've fallen where we're not really men. We don't let men be men and fathers be fathers in the family anymore. They're oppressed. They're told what to do with one of the kids and the mom's married to the children. They're the ones that know everything. And it's time we wake up to really realize all these factors. And if you want to be feminized and be the Austrians or what they did in World War II, then get ready. Get ready. Because the fire will burn you. But if you want to do it as Ariah did, and call on God's forbearance. We've wronged ourselves. We're do wrong. We're do ruining. Then stand up. And so it is this devotion stuff with this. They fired the first shot. This group was asking you about Riaz. Or talk to you of. Or I don't know if it's in a message. Whatever it was. They, you've got to be strong on what your devotion is. And look what happened while he's sleeping. John Adams wrote to Thomas Jefferson about his army. Or rather about their army. And he says, quote, Who composed the army of fine young fellows that was then before my eyes? Now, all of these people had different devotions, different ideas, different beliefs, different Christian beliefs, doctrinally, with some without Christian beliefs, who were not Christians, but they had one cause, one devotion. 
He goes on and says, There are among the Roman Catholics, the English Episcopalians, Scots, and American Presbyterians, Methodists, Moravians, Anabaptists, German Lutherans, German Calvinists, Universalists, Ararians, Priestalarians, Socinians, Independents, Congregationists, Horse Protestants, House Protestants, Deists, and Atheists, and all other Protestants, all educated in the general principles of Christianity. Did you hear that? Did you hear what John Adams wrote to Thomas Jefferson? All the atheists, the deists, and all of the congregations, all in the general principles of Christianity. Our Lady's coming, not for the Catholic Church, not for the Catholics, but everybody. The killers in Rwanda, she's coming for them. They're her children. To win them over to peace. But don't be foolish in your peace. Peace never comes. By just laying everything down and just roll over you. We're not a sissified Christianity. We're not a pacifistic Christianity. There's times you have as a, as a pacifist, you have to fight. General York, what was his first name? General, uh, not General York, but uh, Colonel York, was a pacifist. He refused to be drafted. He wasn't going as order order one. He wasn't going to fight. So he went and get spiritual direction. And he was told, you, you have to fight. This is, you have a right to do that. You can cling to your pacifist ideas and principles. And you're not violating by defending yourself. You're put in this position and God will respect that. David, not fighting on the Sabbath, was getting slaughtered. And he realized that God's people will be extinguished. So he had to start fighting on the Sabbath. So don't clean the scruples. York ended up being one of the greatest heroes of World War I. He, he, could, he could shoot incredible. He, he, one place, I think, he knocked out 113 people. This guy's a pacifist. We've got to wake up to common sense. And Jefferson or rather Adams to Jefferson ends, the general principles of which the fathers achieve independence were the general principles of Christianity. Where you're going to win this is a lady of Medjugorje, carte blanche, period. I didn't apologize for a lady's messages and they fired the first shot. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to get it more publicated, more pronounced, get it on New York best time settle list to apologize and bleed out the messages. I'm not going to do it. And I've lost a lot of people through the years because of that. And now, look how bigger we are. We win by destruction. We construct by destruction. We go into the battle, and we come out bigger and stronger for doing it. So don't get into other devotions. Mary's it. You don't have to apologize for it. So what you're doing, they've had the first shot, and what you're forming, stay focused. Deliver pizzas. Deliver the principles of the message. Stay in tune with this. Don't deviate. You said there was one other aspect that they were derailed for sure. Yeah, the, the second question, and again, some of this might seem like we're covering a lot of topics, and it's important for you to understand the reason why we bring up some of these topics is that so that you understand the urgency of the situation and why it's important to act now, which is oh, they fired the first shot. That's written, and they fired the first shot. And this is the necessity of being able to act or the urgency 
of, of needing to act right now, and that's what these groups are doing, and that's what this group in Louisiana is doing, is they're taking the initiative to act right now. So the second thing, the second issue that had come up was there were other people within the, within that had different connections within the church or their diocese, I think it might have been, that wanted to take over the group, uh, begin to have the group into the um, in their churches, and they felt that there was that this was not the way to go. They felt in their heart this was not the way to go, and they wanted more direction on that. What did they, what did they tell them? The individual. I, I'm not exactly. I'm not exactly sure. I think that they were they, don't, were, pla- don't, they were planning on doing on, on doing changing don't the go venue. There. Yeah, don't, cha- don't, doing don't it let, in church. Don't let nobody come in and hijack what you're doing. Stay strong. Be defined. Is clear. It's very difficult writing uh, the three chapters on the battle plan, and one of those chapters have uh, I think three segments inside that chapter. So basically, it's six different things in there. And preceding all that is, well, each one breaks down even to an outline. That's, that didn't just come from, okay, I'll sit down and write a book. That came down from years and years and years, 30, 40 years of thinking, praying, looking, what is the solution? Because we're not winning, we're losing. And I don't want to be fighting a battle that I'm going to lose. Unless what Winston Churchill said, that it's better to go ahead and die than be enslaved. So that would be the only reason we fight. But when you got a chance to win and defeat tyranny, which tyranny first is sin, sin in your own heart, sin in your own soul, sin in your own family, sin in your own town, your, 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 what you've done, how you contributed to it, that's the first tyranny you kill and crush. And then and only then will you be able to defeat the other tyranny. And until you do that, we won't defeat anything else. Churchill's statement is, is worthy to repeat. He said, If you will not fight for the right when you can easily win with that bloodshed, the Austrians could have fought with little bloodshed, if any. In fact, Hitler ordered his paratroopers to turn around and leave if they met resistance. They planned to come off like a puff of hot air, and then they turned that into great power. Just like the 10,000 Wandas were in the beginning, attacked by 100 to 200 people. They, those people could have done anything if they stood up, even just bodily. You can easily win with that bloodshed. If you will not fight when your victory will be sure and not too costly, you may come to the moment when you will have to fight with all the odds against you and only a precarious chance of survival. There may even be a worse case. You may have to fight when there is no hope for victory because it is better to perish than to live as slaves. Our Lady says this is a time of decision. Our Lady says another time, decide my dear children. And this is beyond just deciding for Mass. It's beyond just praying for the rosary. The world is sick and is off base on every facet of which it walks. It is Our Lady who said, You created a whole new world without God as if you were your own creator. Our Lady said, The West has made great prog- uh, civilization progress. But without God. And you want to perpetuate it? You want QE? or whatever to come up and fix it it's not going to be fixed 
You're the fix. If you put the message in your heart. Once you understand these principles, then you can start making rational, common sense, solid direction for the future. And that one future is Jesus Christ. It's not guns. Oh, they'll help. You need them. And beyond the mass, and beyond that, is the fruit into life. That's to give you the graces necessary to see with clarity the steps you need to take financially, spiritually first, financially second, families with that, your work, your way of life, all these things, you'll know what you need to do. You may not have the ability to do it, but that's where we can go to the scriptures that says, God will not, don't worry about what you eat to drink. God will provide. He, he knows better than you what you need. And he'll answer those needs if you're in the right spirit and you do these things not out of vengeance, anger, but out of love. Loving your enemy. Fight the tyranny. At the same time, walking toward God being first in your life. That's your protection. That's your way of life. We've gone way longer than we should have. Is there anything else you need to add to what you said? Well, one thing I think is important to reinforce the point of not backing down from the purpose, from the cause. Uh, that's in They Fired the First Shot. This mission would not have survived had a friend of Medjugorje backed down every single time he met resistance with something. But it was by continuing to fight, uh, continuing to go forward. And this happened many, many, many times. And so uh, there's a lot of situations that may come up that uh, there's a lot of experience behind the reasons why uh, things were written the way they were and they fired the first shot and how to structure this. This has been proven over the history of Caritas many, many times that you don't back down and that you move continue to move ahead with what God's calling you to do. And uh, I think it's important probably to even mention, you know, Albert, Albert Speer was Hitler's best friend. And he, and he said that, that Hitler would speak to him about how he marveled how they defeated France. Because he said France was so much more far superior, such greater numbers, but that France had lost the war psychologically. And that Hitler was so overjoyed when France surrendered when they could have easily have defeated Germany, and that Hitler was on pins and needles the entire time because he knew that they could have lost. So the enemy is, is sometimes like a frightened cat. It will make itself bigger than what it really is. And a friend of Medjugorje has, has been a witness to this in the history of this mission over and over and over again, that the devil's mirage is always to appear to be bigger than what he really is. We've come up against battles where we got so much resistance that I doubled the program, doubled the budget for it, double the labor that went into it because we know that's the one Satan didn't want out and these things turn into huge projects or huge which produce huge fruit that's the first sign you do and I've seen with Medjugorje many people get a little resistance they, they back down I've seen it in people that you wouldn't think that would do that and that's not the way we need to be walking if you put God first you don't have to worry about the victory at the end you just need to do the right thing this is what God's called me to do, and do it, and don't weigh out consequences. Pray, fast, let God act. Deliver us in accordance with thy marvelous works, and give glory to thy name, O Lord. Signed, Azariah. 
everything you need, you have from her, the mother. We love you. We wish you Our Lady. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.